Hi, everybody. Good evening. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good whatever time of the day you're watching this one. Thanks so much for tuning in to our Wednesday uh, stream. So uh, appreciate you being here. And thank you, Leslie Butler, for being so super punctual. Uh, and Chris Davies, of course, good to see you. Joe Cool, all the gang, thanks so much for being here. Republican rocker, fast off the tracks over on the getter. So as usual, we are streaming this across the Nonst universe. In fact, we're streaming this everywhere that uh, that we can uh, we can find the stream. So uh, hi, Canadian mom, good to see you as well. Great to see you guys on the stream. Biotech babies, everyone. Thanks for joining. And uh, we've got a great topic to talk through uh, tonight because uh, I hope you enjoyed uh, Monday night when we essentially challenged the uh, the basis of modern medicine. So hope you enjoyed that one. Uh, thanks for some of the feedback. I do appreciate it. Uh, hi, Donnie girl. Good to see you. And of course, City Troll over there on the getters as well. Uh, so we challenged the whole uh, basis of modern medicine just just for the lols on uh, on Monday. And uh, also to say to you guys, just while it's in my head, that we've got super duper guest uh, tonight. We're gonna introduce him in a second. And we do, I don't normally do a stream on a Friday uh, because that's an evening off. However, however, we've got Edward Dowd on. So some of you will know Edward Dowd, uh, former uh, Wall Street executive. Uh, he's written a book all about died suddenly. He was on with uh, Tucker Carlson, I think, two nights ago, and he's on with me on Friday night. So tune in then as well. That should be good. Hello, Charlotte. We are blessed to have royalty in the in the in the uh, in the room. Charlotte, the Baroness of Burnley. So good to see you, my dear. Good to see you. And the Toyota. Yep, I see all of you folks here. So uh, listen, without much further ado, we are gonna, I want I, one of the topics I really haven't got into, uh, and I wanted to, is the whole World Economic Forum. And with that sort of topic in mind, I, I read a really excellent um, substack on, on, on the World Economic Forum, the WEF. And of course, you know, now I know some of you folks out there, I know some of you are secretly thinking, but David, you look like Klaus Schwab, because I know you've told me that. And can I just say, I'm going to take your names and I'll be sending the boys around to have a word if that's going to be your approach. But my next guest knows every everything known that you need to know about the World Economic Forum. Uh, and he's going to explain why they are literally, well, so bad and so dangerous. So without any more, let's bring on uh, Craig. Uh, Craig, welcome to the stream. Thank you very much. Um, with regards to the World Economic Forum, I'll correct you there. It, it makes it sound as if I'm a very big expert on the World Economic Forum. I don't want to, I don't want to big myself up in that way. It's observations, isn't it, that we all make of the World yeah. Economic Forum? I think. Yeah, yeah, Craig, I think it is. And, and, you know, the thing about it is, though, you know, we're besieged on so many fronts, on so many different issues, you know, whether it's the vaccines, whether it's um, vaccine damage, whether it's climate change, nonsense, all this sort of stuff. Um, and it's good sometimes to, to focus on one of those organizations, I think, that is very much uh, driving this. And I've got to be honest, you know, prior to 2020, if you'd have asked me about the WEF, I, I mean, I would have thought, I don't know, is that a, is that a world wrestling organization type structure? What is it? I wouldn't have known much about them now. And I suspect everybody watching us um, will, would, would sort of 
be very clear on who the WEF is. But tell us this first question. So what got you sort of intrigued into what, what they've been up to? And uh, let's start there and we'll take it from there, Greg. Sure. Well, exactly like you, it was pre-2020. Um, I wasn't paying too much attention either. Um, I was living in China and obviously the internet in China's heavily censored behind the great firewall. Um, even VPNs are unreliable um, a lot of the time. And so my head was firmly buried in the sand. Um, and I kind of liked it that way in some respect, because you kind of, um, you're not really paying attention to the politics, to the stress. So I quite, I quite liked it. And I think um, the fact that we all know the World Economic Forum now, we're all familiar with, with names like your own, of course, Klaus Schwab. Um, we're, we're all actually, uh, I don't think that was ever the plan. I don't think it was ever the plan that we know these names. These are probably people that often were in the shadows when they sort of acting through politicians. Yeah. So I don't, I think there's probably, it wasn't probably part of the plan that we all talk about these things openly. Um, and we can see the increase in their attempt to censor the internet and censor our speech like this. Um, mm. So, yeah, it's 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 probably news to everybody, including me. Like I said before, 2020, I, I didn't know about them either. No, I, think, I also think you're right, Craig. I don't think we were supposed to know anything about them. And, and yet in the space of a couple of years, um, certainly, well, may, maybe I'm not sure if the normies know about them. I'm not sure if normies know about them. But all of us in, let's say, the truth community, the enlightened community, we we know a lot about them. Uh, maybe too much about them, actually, you might say, because I've got to say, you know, back in the day, you used to get these gatherings at Davos. And I used to think, yeah, that's a billionaire class getting together. Um, this shows how innocent I was. They're getting together in Davos in Switzerland, a bunch of elitists just sitting around shooting the breeze. Boy, was I wrong, because that's not what they're about at all, really, is it? I suppose I suppose when you've got billionaires uh, and multimillionaires who've got everything they could ever need. I just wrote a substack today, and I was just because the substack is really just my I find it therapeutic. It's yep. just my opportunity to just vent. Um and yeah, exactly. Yeah, run till we can't. Uh, well, that's Craig Substack. Make sure, <laughs> make sure you subscribe. You know how to subscribe. Just go there, stick your name in, and that signs you up for it. Yeah, I appreciate that. That's brilliant. Um, yeah, I, I was just um, speaking out loud today on 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 the Substack about um, about the World Economic Forum. And yeah, I think I think these these people they like I said they they always operated in in the shadows, didn't they? They weren't really meant to be known. Mm. Um, and there are a bunch of billionaires and multimillionaires who sit around. And I think as humans, we all sort of need a goal. We all need a focus. I think people who generally spend a lot of time out of work tend to get depressed or they don't have something to focus on. When people generally retire, um, yeah. perhaps they get. And so if you're going to give somebody billions and billions of pounds or something or allow them to amass that amount, of, they're going to sit around and wonder what to do with themselves. And that's probably going to be to reshape the world in a way that best suits them. Mm. Um, and I think mm. that's what we're that's what we're seeing. Effectively, we're effectively seeing them reshaping the world that best suits them to the media. Like, like, do you see the WEF? Is it like, do you see it as like a prototype world, one world government? Or do you see it as just one branch of this kind of globalist threat that we face, Craig? How, in overall terms, do you see them? Well, just to just to um, 
um, repeat, um, I'd just like to confirm that I'm not an expert in these things, and I don't think you need to be an expert in these things. I think one of the tricks that was played is, is that unless you're an expert, don't get involved in this topic. And in actual fact, I think we've, I think we've actually sort of outsourced our natural ability to exchange information and talk about these things. Mm, yeah, politicians for far too long, um, and I think that. Um, I think the World Economic Forum is probably one abbrevi- the WEF is an abbreviation like the rest of them, the UN, um, the WHO, and yeah. all the rest. But they probably comprise the of the same names, the same people, and they're all mm-hmm. sort of a group of people who sit around and collaborate together. Um, yeah. And I think the World Economic Forum is effectively its own sort of nation now, isn't it? Mm. Um, yeah. Really I, I also, Craig, you make a great point there as well about experts and non-experts. You know, again, up into 2020, I was like probably a lot of people, you know, you would have sort of deferred to the experts. After the last three years, if I never hear from an expert again, I'll be a day too soon for me. I've got no time for these self-proclaimed experts. And people like you and the people on the stream, every one of us is as entitled as anyone else to... um, have our opinion. Biotech Babe says, is Craig and Getter? Yes, he is. It's just coming along the bottom of the screen as we speak. There you go. Twitter, uh, there's uh, Craig's Twitter. Uh, we Actually, maybe we'll bring it up as well so you can actually see it. Uh, Jed can go and find it and we'll stick it up on the screen. But yeah, so so forget all about the experts. You don't need to worry. Oh, there you go. As uh, instantly found, there is Craig looking dashing on the platters. <laughs> So uh, you can find him there and check out his uh, his, his his Twitter stream. So uh, yeah. So as I said, no, there's no, there's nothing wrong with being um, uh, not an expert. It's more about being able to look into these things. And and, and what, what do you find when you look into them? Absolutely. I think I think if you've got billions of people all start talking about a particular topic, it's going to be very difficult to convince all billions, uh, all of those billions of people to abandon their values, um, to abandon those values that were passed down and principles passed down to our parents and grandparents. We can already see that they're trying to destroy that family unit. Yep. I've seen similar stuff like that in China. Um, so if you abandon that family unit and then all of your values suddenly start coming from the media, from the government, from the World Economic Forum, um, then then obviously it's much easier to create that one world government because then you've got a one world public who all share the values of the World Economic Forum. Um, of course, we wouldn't share those values, but we're led to, we're misled to, to share mm. those values. Um, I think that's, I know it's a slightly de- slight deviation of what we're talking about, but I think that's, I just happened to see a tweet from um, from Calvin Robinson on Twitter a minute ago yep. talking, because he's talking on something on GB News and he's referring to, um, children and and the, the crazy stuff we see now on on, on social media yeah. when it comes to drag queens and things like that. And I'm just thinking, like, it seems as if this is a huge effort to t- sort of pass power over to children to sort of say as if these children are, are capable of making their own decisions from such yep. a young age. We see yep. that with things like um, with choosing your gender now, and we see it with... Um, and, and I, I think it's kind of tight. Uh, sorry, I'll finish my sentence. We see it with like climate with Greta Thunberg. I mean, she was yeah. only re- really young and she's trying to preach to millions and millions and millions of adults about how we should live as if a child would know more than we do. Um, and and so it does seem as if there's there's multiple agendas going on at once. It's very confusing. Many of us don't really want to pay attention to politics. A lot of people want to just sort of bury their head in the sand and enjoy their daily lives. But it's mm-hmm. become a sort of duty, hasn't it, to try and keep on top of all of these crazy things that we see going on around us 
yeah. um, making sense of them. And that's all I've been doing. Can, can, can I just actually ask you a side question? Because you mentioned, your, you know, China and, and how China also has been sort of undermining the family. So I'm curious about that because um, I, I know here in the West, it's absolutely trying. They are absolutely intent to annihilate the family unit, mom and dad and kids completely understand that is it the same in, in china then and how do they do that in china uh craig yeah i think it is isn't it? it it is the same i mean if you've got like a little inner circle and that's your parents and, uh, and mm. then you've got the outer circle the government you're going to get a lot of stuff going through and i suppose that family structure that family unit that inner circle is meant to be like a filter i suppose to sort mm. of protect mm -hmm. children and and keep and make sure that their values are given to them by people who came before in china i often taught people taught students who um, maybe lived in the city I was teaching them, yeah. uh, maybe the husband, and then the wife would live in a completely different city and the kid would be studying in an even different city still. So the entire family would be completely split up. Um, to my knowledge, because I, I, I did a little bit of... Um, I did a little bit of culture when I, as part of the business degree that I did when I was at uni. And I yeah. did learn that China and other countries um, in Asia and even South America and stuff, they have like a sort of collectivist type culture. And that's in China, the surname comes first and you represent your family. And um, the more senior person in the room would have been um, based on age. Um, um, but, but now I feel like they are going away from that. I don't know if you'd consider China um, a communist country or whether you'd consider it a sort of state capitalist country. It's, um, it's a hybrid, isn't it? It's 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 not what it used to be for sure. It's yeah. not, it's not, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not full on communist. I, I see it. I see it as very authoritarian. But I'll be honest with you. Over the last couple of years, I think the West is extreme is increasingly authoritarian. And I know we've got people on from Canada here watching us here, Craig. And I know all you Canadian folks, you know, endured well. I would have thought every bit as bad under Cas um, I couldn't say Castro, under Trudeau as uh, under Xi Jinping. So I'm not even sure we can judge China in the ways that some people do. You know, I'm 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 much more unsure about that than it would have been a few years back. What about you? Well, I certainly do judge um, the Chinese Communist Party in exactly the same way. Um, there is a distinction to be made between the Chinese people and the Chinese Communist Party, just as yeah. there is between any population of people um, yeah. and the government. I think there's an old expression, isn't there, about um, every nation has the government it deserves or something like that. And I think if I try and interpret that, I suppose it means that people sort of elect those people. And so they've, they're have they responsible for that, if that's who they are. Or, or it means that those the government has come from the people and and therefore it's it's reflective of what the part i don't know what necessarily you would take on that but i think in china where you've got a a, a group of um again rich multimillionaires who who comprise the chinese communist party and it to my knowledge again correct me if i'm wrong on any of this because like i said i'm not an expert but to my knowledge um from from what i understand the chinese communist party sort of kicked out the um the, the legitimate government which i believe is the government of taiwan now um and 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 when you've got the kind of government that they've got over there, they crush momentum very quickly. Um, when I was over there, even foreigners, as as we are, as we were when we were over there, um, if you said something that you shouldn't have on on WeChat, which is their equivalent of WhatsApp, you 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 may well get a visit in the middle of the night by police. Um, when you're in a restaurant talking about things, you're friends that you're with will shush you if you're saying things that you shouldn't be talking about because somebody could grass you up. These are the sort of things that we've we've mm. seen 
during the COVID crisis um, oh. where they were trying to encourage kids at one point, I think, to snitch on their parents. And then yep. we saw similar things, didn't we, where it was like, if you don't, if you want to get the vaccine, you don't have to tell your parents, you know. So they've obviously tried to destroy that family unit and create this kind of like crack mm -hmm. yeah. in, in the family unit. Um, and that is very similar to, yeah, like things I've, what I used to see in China. There's big sort of tier one cities um, that would have been like Shenzhen, where I was. That was on the border of Hong Kong, um, and then yep. Beijing, Xi'an, things like that. And and these big tier one cities are everybody's renting. Sounds very similar to the World Economic Forum's view. Um, everybody's renting. Very few people own anything there. Um, and when you rent an apartment over in China, there you yeah. don't even get a kitchen. You know, you're completely reliant on, on fast food. Sorry, David. No, I was going to say, well, you, you mentioned nobody owns anything. And, of course, that brings us to, I guess, one of the World Economics Foreign Forum's most notorious, whatever you want to call it, uh, lines. You know, it's 2030 and, uh, you know, you will own nothing and uh, and you will be happy. And it's, we constantly talk about that here because that was almost like, um, well, that's a mission statement, isn't it, from them, that they, in a way, they want to divest us of our our home or owning or, or the ownership of our home uh and, and and replace that with something very right chris davy says you were right with castro it was a deliberate faux pas i can tell you did i say justin castro yes i did right yeah back anyway bye, bye, bye craig you know it's 2030 i mean what, what do you make of that kind of agenda pushed by the wef well, like I said, I mean, I did spend a lot of time teaching in the big cities in China. And, um, yeah. I, you know, if I'm if, if anybody watches and, and says I'm wrong, so be it. Um, but just from my interpretation, um, the people who I was sort of working with and people who are my colleagues, they didn't own things and the, they didn't own their home there. They lived in an apartment mm. and I didn't see them being particularly happy um, necessarily about that. Um, there's a yeah. lot of, I, I don't, you know, I think, I think a lot of the, the sort of slogans that get thrown at us from government nowadays are not things that we particularly ask for. I think it's, yeah. I think it's supposed to be something that I think they try to create a pop culture around an idea that we haven't demanded. And yeah. if we knew the truth about it and we knew the entire truth about it, we wouldn't demand it. But they create a pop culture. Then they use certain methods of censorship to, to stop us from finding out more about it, particularly since 2020, like you say. Um, and, and, and we wouldn't be wanting these things. We wouldn't be choosing these things. But there's been a complete inversion, hasn't it? It's like business. Mm -hmm. Business now, like I've ranted about on the Substack, is it seems to be instead of there being a natural demand for something, and then somebody coming along and saying, oh, well, I've got a few people together. We can provide a solution to that problem that exists in society. Um, that was the typical uh, business idea, idea of business, wasn't it? Whereas now it seems as if they create a pop culture around something we wouldn't want. Um, yeah. Well, let, let, let's take a good example. Insects. I don't believe <laughs> anybody. I can't believe there's anybody who follows me or listens to me or whatever, who, who, who suddenly thought, you know something, I fancy sitting down to a nice plate of, you know, fried locusts or mealworms and stuff. Nobody, mm. nobody wants that. But but you're right in what you've just said. But but some people seem to think that's what we need to be doing. And yeah, you've a the bugs. And, uh, and therefore, that's actually that they, they create that. Craig. And then there is companies who then pile in saying, yeah, OK, we can we can get near the insects. The European Union, as far as I know, have have uh, legislated for uh, certain types of in, uh, bug 
to be made legal in the EU and by definition the UK. So you're right. It's it's they're they're doing it the other way around. They're creating the, the thing and then the business comes in. Not 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 the normal order. Yeah, it's like when you see Nicole Kidman like enjoying some insects to try and get us. And there was even yeah. a movie I watched um, a while back on Netflix at the time. Um, was was this uh, the opening scene of the film? It wasn't even relating to the plot, although I wouldn't know because I turned it off after about 10 15 minutes, but it didn't seem to be related to the plot. It was just a woman frying locusts as, or, or whatever it was, whatever she was doing, and then and then a guy coming over and trying some and saying, Oh, that tastes delicious. And I don't think it had anything to do with the movie, certainly not the synopsis anyway. Didn't sort of talk about that. So, yeah, I do feel like they're trying to introduce that. I think that if you had a um, if you had a society where we all had, like in the old days, a garden where we're growing our own vegetables and our own fruit and stuff like yeah. that, yeah. Um, we could also achieve food security that way. But of course, that's not profitable for them. So it's it's mm. it's it's a sacrifice of I think our health um, to profit. Um, you know, we see stuff like that with the pharmaceutical industry now, don't we? Where oh yeah. Yeah, when somebody yeah. has an idea to maybe cure something like heart disease or, or cancer, something that's if it's gonna if it's actually gonna jeopardize the um, the the long standing um, sort of profit of a of a, a treatment for chronic illnesses, the pharmaceutical industry will just shut it down. Well, what what is it they say? Uh, a patient cured is a customer lost. Isn't that what they say? Um, well, there you go. Your... Yeah, yeah. Um, so 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 yeah. But but I mean, by the same token, they must understand that if you incorporate insects into the different forms of food, uh, and, and and I've seen evidence of it now, uh, where they, they if you check very you need to, you need to check basically what's in your ready. If you go to Marks and Spencers or Tesco's and buy ready meals, you need to be careful what you are you what you might be getting, um, and then are these things good for our health? No, because in the first world we we don't eat bugs. We just don't. So, so therefore, why does the World Economic Forum think that we should eat bugs? Well, first of all, in in Beijing, you can go to the you can go to an insect market, um, and when you walk down the, the the street in that insect market, you can see all of these scorpions on sticks. Some of them still yeah. even wriggling around. Yeah, um, it's not appetizing in the least, and that's yeah. not something we'd be demanding. Um, yeah. But yes, you've got Bill Gates, who's um, you know, who's a man who's got all these ideas about how other people should live, but he's not going to commit to it himself. And it's very that's a common um, theme, yeah. isn't it? None of them are committing yeah. to this. None of them are going to eat insects. It's just how they manage the peasants, us. Um, yes. And so, yeah. whatever their grand design is, um, you know, it's it's not something they're going to make us privy to. Um, but yeah, I think I think there's there are ways that we could live that that are much uh, that are healthy. Over the last few years, when we've seen the COVID vaccines, for example, vaccines because we know it's mRNA, we know there's a huge yeah. difference between yeah. mRNA and traditional vaccines. They never told us that. Obviously, we found that out ourselves. Yeah. Um, but the 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 side effects from from these mRNAs are not what they um, some of them they may not have known some of the side effects or they they may have known them and not told us and things like that and mm. so if they're just going to introduce a brand new diet to a world population you're right there are lots of things that could go wrong but i don't think they care um, because mm. they've got a population issue they want to depopulate us and if lots of people died of as a result of eating insects i'm sure they'd be quite happy about that I said, that's a fair enough point that and actually you referenced the the markets in china i, I, I was in china a long time ago, about, about God, about 30 
plus years ago. And I remember visiting a market and they did have, yeah, snakes, uh, scorpions, everything. Oh, God, it was awful. Honestly, I still remember it after all that time. Uh, I mean, they basically devour, were at that point anyway, and I know China's become a lot more you know, wealthier since then, but they were eating everything. But here in the West, we, we don't, I mean, we what people eat, um, we, we, we eat good quality food. Uh, although I did, I, I like uh, Charlotte's comment here. She says, do they want me to eat bugs or do they want me to be a vegan? I'm torn with her message. And yeah, Charlotte, <laughs> I wondered that as well. It's a, it, it's, it's a bit of a, a, a sort of a contradiction, isn't it, Craig? I mean, how can they be saying eat the bugs, but at the same time you have to be vegan? I'm not sure how that one works, really. I, I don't fully understand stuff like that. I know there are different terms. Um, you know, people eat fish, don't they? Because they justify that because of one reason or another. Although they mm -hmm. might say, oh, I don't eat other certain meats. So it, it, it seems like a diet nowadays is a lot like a religion. Um, or, you know, you can just yeah. pick what gender you want um it's um but, but you know perhaps i don't fully understand that but in terms of the um the, the thing we were talking about uh, uh what's it yeah. dogs and cats are eating in some country you know in in china for example where i was living in china i was I, like i said i was working in the tier one cities so these tend to be the the money cities this is where yeah it's 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 um, far removed from perhaps the um, the rural areas, yeah. And so a lot of people in those cities, when I talk to them, just the students and stuff, they they wouldn't agree with eating dogs or cats because they have a much more perhaps Western um, mm. lifestyle. Mm. Uh, because mm -hmm. they see the West on TV and they want to imitate it. And that's used, the Western society is used mm. probably because we work far more than we enjoy ourselves and we're beholden to big companies and things like that. And that's what they want to do, imitate in China. So that's what they, they, they advertise mm -hmm. in the big cities. Um, yeah. But when it comes to eating everything, I believe, uh, again, correct me if I'm wrong, it was because of the famine um, all those years ago. Yeah, that's right. And, yeah. and so, right. you know, although they, they don't have a famine now, it's cultural. It's developed their culture over a period of time. They eat everything. Um, and I think that it's not unusual. I think we've seen evidence of it that in the West, they create shortages, they manufacture shortages in order to encourage us to adopt things that we wouldn't ordinarily adopt. Yeah. Well, I mean, we see it at the moment. Well, I mean, with tomatoes and uh, some of these vegetables that, uh, that are, you know, apparently very scarce because of uh, uh, bad weather in so southern Mediterranean, North Africa. Sorry, don't believe that. Don't believe that. I believe these are en engineered, deliberately engineered, um, shortages, uh, which I also think, by the way, Craig, it's to keep everything in, everything has to be in crisis. You know, we're not allowed to relax. We're not allowed to go, we'll breathe out now. We've got a year or two where we can just be normal. They don't want that. And, and the World Economic Forum, I mean, one of the things that bothers me most about it is, you know, the whole transhumanist agenda that the likes of that guy, what is he, Yuval, what's he called? The, I don't know what you mean. You know the guy. You read somebody, I think. Yeah, the, the stuff that, I mean, the, the, this is where it gets really sort of dark because it's like, it's not just they want to change us, you know, our, our diets and our way we behave. They want to actually change humanity, the nature of us being human beings. And that horrifies me. Yeah, me too. I think, I think. As we've evolved, again, I'm not an expert in this area either, but when we've evolved, presumably we've evolved in groups of um, people that have come together and we formed our own cultures through language, behavior, acceptable behavior, and so on and so forth. Um, and so we've each as a group decided how we were going to live. 
it's mm. never really been done before where you've got people who exist outside of our groups, which I believe everybody who's a member of the World Economic Forum is, even our own politicians who are members of the World Economic Forum. Yep. I don't yep. really think they associate themselves with the nationality that we do anymore. They, I don't think our, our politicians see themselves as being British. They see themselves associated with the World Economic Forum. They're just in charge of looking after the British peasants. And so... Right. And and so I think that, um, yeah, the, the, this idea that somebody outside of our group um, would decide how we live and how we uh, change the way we live, you know, the way Klaus Schwab talks, mm -hmm. uh, in the future we're going to have chips in our brains and we're going to do this, that and the other. I don't know who, I mean, the, the arrogance, I think, is, is due to the fact that they've so far been unopposed. We've, we've commented and we've observed on what these people do, but we just don't do anything about them. And so they just feel invincible, I think. And now, as you say, inevitably, they're going to dictate how we live, even though they're not even part of our society. No, you're absolutely, you're, you're absolutely right. And the point you make there, Craig, about, you know, the politicians who so many of them are, you know, very much involved with the, the World Economic Forum. In fact, every time I see a new elected head of state, wherever it is, you'll, you'll see, yeah, and they're a young sort of globalist leader from, uh, or there's a photo of them with Schwab and whatnot. So it, it is, and, and I think you're right, their loyalty is not to the individual state. So for example, uh, Trudeau, I don't think he's any interest in Canada. I think, um, you know, uh, if you look at some of the European ones, they're just the same. And indeed, if you look at Rishi Sunak, he's no interest in Britain. Any, anyone who thinks Rishi Sunak's interested in Britain is a fool. He's interested in carrying out, as you say, the agenda points that have been put in place. And so in a way, uh, Craig, I look upon these governments as like they're the sub post office and the WEF is the, the, the main control body. And all they do is they try to sort of implement the, the policies of it. And that's how I see got local governments. I think sovereignty is a sham. Yeah, me too. I, th I think when you see an MP who might be elected to a particular area um, and that MP doesn't come from that area. And so they've quickly got to try and do their research on the area and pretend as if they sort of love that area. And so they, yeah. it, it's yeah. basically like that, I think. I think it was um, Victor David uh, Davis Hansen. Hansen. Yep. Uh, yeah, I, I really like listening to him. Um, and I remember listening to one of his um, talks when he's he's referring to this group of globalists. And and if you've got somebody like Trudeau or, you know, Boris yep. Johnson, when he was in, Rishi Sunak now, um, yep. they, they probably know the major cities all around the world, but not just the politicians, even the big business, you know, Bill Gates, people yep. like that. Um, yep. They probably are more familiar with these big international cities all around the world than they are with many of the cities within the country that they um, purport to associate themselves with. Um, so, you know, they'll know more about Shanghai than they will uh, perhaps about um, some of the cities here in, in Britain. Manchester. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so and yeah. so I agree with what you just said. I think I think they just like on a smaller scale where the MPs, somebody who's not from maybe my neck of the woods gets voted to be the MP of my neck of the woods, and suddenly they've got to do a bit of research and think, okay, what are, what are people around here like? What's what are they into? So that I can kind of better manipulate them by pretending I'm one of them. And I think that's exactly what national leaders do now. Yeah, they're like shapeshifters, you know. They, they they can change effortlessly. 
but ultimately have their loyalty to us. No. And I see a Canadian mum says, this is in Canada, uh, she says that our Deputy Prime Minister Freeland even sits on the Board of Trustees for the WEF, also is our, fi our finance minister. I mean, the, the, I had no idea that the World Economic Forum infiltrated uh, to this the state that that it seems that they have i know some people say no 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 they're you're, you're over you're over egging it you know they're not that influential but but i don't know i'm not sure about that i think they do seem to have massive infiltration craig yeah i agree I, I, again i don't think we were ever meant to find out that they they'd infiltrated us so much and mm. it's funny because whenever you well it's not funny but whenever you sort of like you 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 realize that you're over the you're over the spot you're over the x you get labeled don't you that's how they defend themselves you you get labeled conspiracy theorist for, yeah. for making suggestions yeah. there's I, I, it's much better to have everything on the table and then start taking things off that don't make sense because you're discussing it with other people um you're using critical thinking skills and then you start to say okay well maybe that doesn't make sense let's take that off the table but mm. they've convinced us that it's much more popular now to not put things on the table in the first place um and if you dare to put something on the table to discuss it you're a conspiracy theorist and you mm. should be labeled and ridiculed um mm. and i think that's exactly what's what we're experiencing now mm. um so yeah they if, if you do suggest anything like that that the world economic i mean even even though that this has actually been stated outright, we know that for decades our politicians have been collaborating with the Chinese Communist Party because they've been making a fortune out of it. Yeah, we yeah. we see people like Ma Hancock and, and he's with like sort of the ambassador to China and 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 we can we can see these things with our own eyes. But remember, we've got to dismiss what we see with our own eyes and hear what with our own ears um, for the propaganda of the media. It's mm -hmm. the lessons of the past, isn't it? That we we need mm -hmm. to hang on to yeah no no absolutely and i mean and then, and then another aspect of of, of you know the, the, this whole wef business is like again it seemed to come to the fore during COVID. i remember schwab for example he was big pals with gates and they're talking about how everyone needs to get the jabs and i'm thinking well hang on a second you know schwab you, you know since when did you become an expert in 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 so-called virology or any of the rest of it and, and yet the, the media were, you know, basically fawning at his feet. Because the thing is, Craig, you know, this is why challenge, like, like for example, when you raise questions in your Substack and you're challenging, that, that's, that's kind of not happening in the mainstream media. Yeah, I, I think we know now, don't we, that the mainstream media um, doesn't serve our interests. Um, no. Yeah, I guess the idea of the mainstream media originally was to um, to tell us things that were going on outside of the reach of our five senses. I've rabbited on about this before on the Substack as well, but it's just sort of, you know, when we've got five senses and we can detect what things are in front of me, I can see his yeah. microphone on a desk. If somebody comes yeah. in and corroborates that, that's our consensus on what reality is. So outside of the reach of our five senses, we, I guess we just, we just outsourced everything to the media to tell us what, mm. it, what is going on around the world. Mm. And there is a bit of a war now between realities because there's the one reality where all of our politicians are heroes and the yeah. uh, mRNA drug was a huge success. Yeah. And there's a big group of people who are really threatening to our health and safety and they're conspiracy theorists. And these are people who are, who are spreading misinformation, uh, information that doesn't come from the government. Anything that doesn't come from the government is misinformation. Um, but in the other reality, the one that most of us live in now, or at least a lot of us live in now, yeah. um, that's not true. And, and if we talk about things that we see and hear and everything else, 
um, and that contradict the media, uh, then we are to be ridiculed, we're to be labelled. And I think we're only a hop, skip and a jump away from atrocity now um, because we're on a path now that none of us have been on before. And we've mm. got to be wondering how far down this path we have to go until finally atrocity arrives because I think they do realise now that there is a threat um, far too many people are saying things that they shouldn't. Um, and, you know, I don't think we can coexist uh, with these people, like yeah. our group. You're totally right. Actually, somebody just made that point. I've seen someone made the point here. Let me see if I can find it. Um, oh, what is it? So basically, that point you've just made, there's mm. no point of compromise with these with the World Economic Forum objectives. There just can't be. You know, it's in, it's incompatible with our freedom loving, uh, you know, body sovereign mindset that you could in any way go along with anything these guys say. So I think you're right there, Craig. Yeah, and I, th I think that um, if if it was just if if you take out the politicians that uh, and separate of that tyrants people who end up being in yeah. power for far too long or amassing far too much wealth i think then yeah. then you probably resolve world peace because i don't you don't see publics taking to the street chanting let's go and invade a country or let's go and try and steal the oil from this country or that country that never happens it's always the it's always the leaders of countries that yeah. then, just yeah. like a business, they've got a product they want to sell you. They know it's harmful, so they hide the harms and they advertise the pros, um, and then they get a campaign around it. And that's exactly what we saw. Uh, again, I'm not an expert, but when it comes to um, Tony Blair and Bush and stuff, that was at the stage when I was had my head firmly buried in the sand. But didn't they sort of basically just try to garner support for something um, using lies, and then ultimately the public oh, yeah. support it because they buy into it? Um, mm -hmm. Oh. And I think that's, yeah, that's what we see now, isn't it? Well, see, th this is, I think, one of the lessons that our enemies learned during COVID. They learned that a large section of our fellow human beings, our fellow countrymen and women, will uh, comply with, re with, re with authority. So if authority tells them to do, to do whatever it is, the thing that you must do, they will do it, which is why your other point about atrocity is not is not that far-fetched. I mean, honestly, if, if authority said, uh, look, it's time to go and get everyone who's unvaccinated and throw them over a cliff edge, for example, if that was to be stated, I fear that that could happen. Yeah, I do as well. Um, I th I, we've already seen things that we would never have thought possible, um, get garnering support from members of the public. Um, because yeah. they've been led to be afraid of something. I think fear is the biggest manipulator, isn't it? And if mm, people are yeah. scared that there's a virus kicking around that could potentially kill them, they'll quite happily see people thrown into cages and sent off to a camp. Um, and and a lot. I wrote something about mass formation um, yep. psychosis on the Substack. Um, again, if you type that into Google, something will come up immediately. Conspiracy theorists, conspiracy. But but in actual fact, if you just click past all of that and think about whether it's logical, um, then it is perfectly logical that you know lots of people will be scared into thinking a certain way, and mm. they'll form the group that supports um, the atrocity. Um, and they don't see it. They won't see it as an atrocity, perhaps. Um, they'll see it as a necessity to protect themselves and their families. Yeah, yeah, that's exa that's exactly it. Actually, yeah, they don't see it um, in in the way that, that that you and I would see it. That they mm. they would see it as 
we're saving human. Well, you know, for example, I, I think the COVID thing is maybe run its course, but you know, there'll be the next thing. Maybe it'll be climate change. You know, and because of the climate emergency, uh, we have to do A, B, C, D. So if you're one of the people, Craig, who doesn't do A, B, C, D, then maybe you are thrown over a cliff. And they're doing that to save the uh, the planet. And you mentioned Greta Thunberg earlier, and that's a great example of you know an individual who a uh, young person but with a massive power and she seems to speak from a WEF perspective yeah she's she's sort of um an idol or she's something that people yeah. go to to sort of yeah. worship I, I suppose i suppose when you think about um you know when you think about when they were trying to destroy our history. So you had um, yeah. BLM in the early days were sort of um, vandalizing statues. And, and yeah. um, I guess the idea was to destroy the historical figures uh, that we clung to because those historical figures represented a culture or a value system or something like that, principles, yeah. um, are, are an important part of our, our, our development. Um, and I suppose that's what Greta Thunberg is in that sense when it comes to climate. She may not know more than what other... Uh, what actual experts do know, yeah. Um, but she's not. It's not important that she does. It's just that she's the face of it now. Um, mm. You know, it's like any brand. It's like a brand image for a business, isn't it? As soon as you see the brand image, you associate it with something. Yeah, you do. Um, yeah. And so whenever, yeah. whenever they wheel Greta Thunberg out, people are now going to think of climate change. I was thinking about climate change earlier on today, and I was thinking about how, um, you know, that old thing where the devil or demons mix. They'll mix lies with the truth to yep. make it a more potent lie. Yep. Um, and I was just thinking, you know, I suppose it is true in some respect that when you see big business knocking down parts of the Amazon to build business parks or whatever, or when you see um, human societal development expanding so much so that it's actually destroying the habitats of, of animals, yeah. those are things that I don't think um, are beyond the realms of a man. I think they, they are happening. I think, I think we are obviously going to be expanding and we are going to be destroying habitats. And that's something I'd care about. I'd care about that because I don't want animals to be destroyed and their homes to be destroyed. But at the same time, with that truth, they can then mix in stuff like, right, we're all going to die next year because the sun's yeah. going to burn through the atmosphere. And yeah. so if they've got a, an agenda... They can mix those kind of things together to confuse people. And then you get huge swathes of the public going out there with banners um, um, to, to, to support unwittingly an agenda that would also harm them. Um, yeah. And you can't reason with them. And I think it is tie, uh, tied in with that mass formation psychosis because there is no, uh, there is no logical thinking anymore. Um, it becomes a cult. And yeah. And, yeah. Yep. No, it is absolute. It is absolutely a cult, and you cannot reason with cultists, unfortunately. But yeah. some, I see Craig Roberts here over in the the uh, the YouTube stream. He's saying um, another individual linked to the WEF is uh, King Charles the Woke. King Charles, who um, seems to have uh, well, he I mean he's been there. He 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 embraced the Great Reset, and and, and I think. I mean, that's another example of their penetration. It's like we've got a WEF monarch, uh, Craig, which is pretty, pretty horrendous. Well, I I, I often think of um, history where you've got a king or a queen who um, owns all of the land in the in the country. Yeah. And then and then leases that land out to nobles who then has the, the peasants toiling the field and things like that. And they yeah. report back to 
the king. Um, if we've, if, I don't know if you can hear my stomach. If you can hear my stomach, I apologize. It's growling. Uh, <laughs> look good, look good. <laughs> I, I try to hit. Try to hit the mute button. Sometimes I don't make it. Um, but yes, it's. I feel like we've got um, a king, and um, and we and and it, just like every everything else, the monarchy is is kind of popularized through the media, so we accept that. But but essentially, isn't isn't the monarchy basically then? Um, I know that there's there's a lot of development of how they used to be in the old days, or is there? Because in the old days they'd say, oh well, the king owned everything, but now he doesn't have any power. The monarchy doesn't have any power now. It's the politicians, but the politicians are part of the World Economic Forum, and so is the king. So they're all part of the same group anyway. So are they, you know, so they they give us a story about how perhaps oh the monarchy doesn't have any power anymore. It's to, it's the politicians that have the power, and they represent the public. But we we know they don't represent the public now. We know mm -hmm. that they're part of a big group. With, with the king and everything else and and so if they're all living in you know if if the history of the monarchy was basically the king had owned all the land and leased it out well that sounds a lot like the agenda that the WEF are trying to push about how we'll own nothing and be happy that sounds a lot like feudalism back in the middle ages so it's all tied together and i'm not i don't convince myself that somebody who's as rich and as privileged as as a king is gonna share values with me a pauper yeah. Yeah. Um, more than he's going to share values with Bill Gates, a billionaire. So I'm, I'm not under that illusion. Yeah. And, and then another aspect of the, the, the WEF is they're, they're very much pushing the 15-minute city, uh, Craig, or as I prefer them, 15-minute prisons uh, that they're pushing. And uh, we've seen – it's interesting, this one for me, because we've actually seen resistance here. We've seen it – you know, we saw it in, in Oxford there the, uh, the other weekend – seen it in Canterbury, seen it in, in, in different English cities where, um, again, these things, these concepts which nobody wanted are being pushed. And the good thing is, though, that you do see resistance. Now, whether the resistance can stop them or not, is I don't know. But it is it's encouraging when you see crowds on the street, just like it was encouraging back in lockdown when those people are, you know, when they were pushing all that crap upon us, people did take to the street. And so there's definitely resistance, I think, to what they're trying to achieve. Well, it's interesting about 15-minute prisons because in Bath they were actually calling themselves, I think. <laughs> yeah, they um, did, yeah. They're no not even pretending. Hard. No. no. <laughs> so no, they're not even not. pretending anymore. Um, but I, I think... Yeah. Um, I think when it comes to these things, I just I see it as a further division of, of the public. Um, the way that they're able to control us so well is because they're able to put us into groups. Yep. And um, it's inevitable yep. that there's going to be conflict between groups. And so while we're fighting each other, they're able to create order from while all our chaos is going on. Um, and so when it comes to 15-minute cities, I, I again, I, I can't remember whether I was speaking to, um, to Darren Denslow or, or Sonia. Oh yeah, Bolton. but yeah. I mentioned about um, when I was teaching in China. If I was teaching a huge class of sixty, for example, I would just divide the class into groups of ten, uh, six, and then I'd have ten groups. Yeah, um, and it would be much easier to manage, and the groups wouldn't communicate with each other unless I said you could communicate with one with one another. And if mm -hmm. there was some bad behavior in one particular group from one individual, I could I could deal with the group as a whole, and they would then influence his behavior um, yep. because they wouldn't want to be punished and i can just see um and i think this is the important thing about um communication between 
us and we would we would comprise those groups you're referring to the resistance groups because if we're able to communicate and exchange information so if i say oh well i had experience in china and i was teaching and this is my experience and and this looks very much like a pattern maybe this is what they're going to try and do then that's valuable and somebody else will have different experience from their unique path that they've walked in life and they can share that with me and together we're kind of omniscient and we can kind of we can we can see that what their plan is then and we can oppose it but if they suddenly get us to hate each other, which is where I make the reference to cancer and stuff like that. I say, look, if cancer is healthy cells attacking each other, and that's that's what's inspired them to try and divide us, turn people who would share values and be united on their values against one another based on one thing or another, whether it's uh, racism or whether it's support for Trump or anything else like that, then I think when it comes to 15-minute cities, it's the same thing. They're going to divide people into cells um, and then um, these groups will be less likely to communicate with one another or when internet um, policies come in because I think it will happen. You're right, there are groups that are resisting this, but how long can we organize ourselves on the internet when Klaus Schwab's talking about cyber attacks coming in? Um, oh, yeah. He's, he's, yeah. he's preempting that because he knows, oh, eventually we are going to have to try and destroy the communication between these people, and the majority of that communication is taking place online. So we're going to have to destroy the internet or, or something. So that's what I see 15 minute cities as. I see it as further division as a way, as, as a means of stopping us from exchanging information. I, I mean, yeah. Craig, I completely endorse the whole thing about the the conquer and divide strategy because that that's as old as time. That's how a, a, a ruling elite can um, can, can uh, basically manage things. They turn people uh, into little tribes, and then the tribes fight each other, and they sit back and they look over it. I mean, I, I've for quite a while been arguing. It's uh, certainly in the last three years, anyway. It's not about right versus left. It's about right versus wrong. I think there is a clear moral divide, which which I think people have to make a decision on where they stand. But uh, what, what I've been encouraged, Craig, during COVID in particular, a lot of people who I would have seen on the left or politically different to me, I would have been a small C conservative, libertarian, broadly speaking. Now, I, I, I have found comradeship with people Oh, across the spectrum, you know, and that must worry them because that there's a there's a strength comes from the fact that that uh, we, we actually are quite diverse in some of our views, but we're united around core, uh, you know, core values uh, such as you know freedom. There, but but I also think they they may well attack. We we're doing this. Uh, and we're putting this out through the internet, through through you know the the internet, and and that's fine. But but what if it was turned off? What would we do then? That's right. We do need to have some kind of offline coordination. Um, I'm not completely informed on everything. Of course not. None of us are. That's why we share information. Um, And there's no shame in that if you don't know something. Um, And so if there is some kind of complexity behind the idea that influential voices would come together and start to create channels through which Mm -hmm. ordinary members of the public could connect locally offline, um, and in which case that could then be coordinated on a national level um, so that we can, yeah. if something was to happen to the internet, we could connect locally with people and on a, on a, on a national level. Um, but it would be influential voices, presumably, that could make that happen. Um, that's always been the case, I suppose, even as we've evolved. Maybe it's been an influential member of our group that's allowed that sort of rallied us together against mm-hmm. a predator that's coming into the village to attack us. So it's yeah. always been the same it's the same thing that's happening. It's just a more advanced version now with the internet. So uh, it would be nice to see uh, influential voices coming together and creating channels through which we could 
connect with one another locally. Um, what was the first thing you were talking about there, David? I've forgotten because I did have a. I wanted to say something to that as well. Um, I forgot as well. <laughs> <laughs> my memory is crap. I, I just forget my train of thought. Um, but you were talking about something else there. Um, um, but, I, well, I, I guess what 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 I'm, what I'm saying is that um, that the, the division between us is is central. Having us divided is central to their plans. Us coming together. Is, is is a really good defense against them. Yep. I remembered what it was. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm getting I'm getting old. I need to make notes and stuff. Um, no, I think um, you were mentioning that we're connected on our values because we share these values, um, and we can see numerous attempts to destroy them. Um, we can see that, um, and and we never see our politicians getting up and saying. Hitler was fantastic. You know, we never see that. Of course we don't, because we would be united against that politician um, based on our shared values. And so whenever you see people arguing about one small issue or another, whether it be the refugee crisis that we've got, um, the one thing that unites us both is our compassion. But but each group is convinced, has been convinced um, by a narrative that the other group is the group that's abandoned the compassion and the values. So if you're opposing yeah. um, immigration, for example, or if you're opposing, uh, opposing BLM, it's not because you're a racist and it's not because you can't stand other cultures or, or ethnicities. Of course it's not. It's because you've got another um, concern which is tied to a fundamental value which is shared between both groups. But they're sort of educated not to ask questions and not to debate with the other group um they'll get told oh no they're racists you've got to call them anti-vaxxers you've got to get he's a label you can use that um so they'll never get to the root you know they'll never realize that we actually share values that's never changed those those fundamental values which are compassion and protecting our community they're exactly the same but we just recognize that the threat is not coming from covid it's coming from the politician yeah um coming from yep. the world economic forum so our values are exactly the same we do care about granny but we just recognize that actually by putting a mask around our face, we're actually perpetuating an irrational fear, um, and we're and we're going to scare these old people into staying in the house for the for the for the, the last yep. years of their life. And so yep. we are compassionate. That's what we're arguing for. But mm. that debate never takes place. It can't take place because if it did take place, both groups would recognise that we do still share values. Actually, and maybe one of us has been misled, and so they they can't have that. And that's why we've got all of the division that we've got, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I mean, again, yeah, that, that's really interesting because if I think about, uh, say, a program that the BBC puts out, like Question Time, Question Time is all about riveting in division. Uh, it's it, 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 the last thing that they they ever seek is is a kind of uh, a, a, a unified uh, a position. Instead, it's about oh well, you, you know, it, it's almost cartoonish to me that. This individual, although mind you, the BBC is so biased that everything in Question Times absolute garbage anyway. But but they do love to set up this punch and duty act, don't they? It's punch and duty. Uh, keep the plebs uh, in their place, and meanwhile we'll get on about all the real stuff that's going on. And and I see it every day of the week, you know. Well, but, but I think the other thing is, Craig, that you know it does bother me that that so-called sovereign governments like the one we have, or if you're in Canada or America, wherever it is, your sovereign government does seem to be supplicants to the likes of 
well, these globalist institutions, WEF for sure, the United Nations for sure, the World Health Organization for sure. And I consider all of them to be great evils. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think a lot of people would agree now, and that's something they can't have, isn't it? Um, I, th I think the media now, we recognize the media um, works mm. for somebody else. Um, the media is responsible for creating a reality. Um, it creates a reality in the land beyond our five senses, like I mentioned before. So instead of talking directly with somebody in Australia to find yeah. out, hey, what's going on on the ground in Australia, people yeah. switch on Sky News instead. And, and often that will maybe conflict with what the person in Australia is telling you is happening with their own eyes and ears. So we've sacrificed that exchange of information with somebody who shares my values on the ground in Australia with billionaires who control Sky News. Yeah. And yeah. I'll trust them over this person. And they need to do that. They need to create those realities. So I don't understand how we recognize that the British government paid our media over 500 million pounds of our taxes. Yep. Right. Yep. We recognize that. And yet we can't immediately do something about it, which I'm confused about. Like I said, I'm not an expert, so maybe there's complexity there that I don't fully understand. But when you see Ofcom, the regulator, sitting over in Davos, and they're supposed to be the people that regulate the media, and then I'm thinking, well, who regulates the regulator then? And if our government are effectively paying the media to yep. give us a reality which is not based on fact, but is instead based yep. on an agenda that they share with the World Economic Forum, yep. what do we do as, as regular people? And we end up screaming onto a void, which is the internet. <laughs> Well, what you do is you turn off the media. You don't watch it. You don't read the MSM. The you problem the problem with that, I find, David, is that I could do that, but there's another million people that aren't doing it, and they are ultimately going to be influenced into changing society around me against oh, my well. will. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's, so I, yeah, that's a good point. That's a fair, a fair pushback. But, but, but then my pushback to that is during COVID, I, and I, I do see it, I see the people who tune into the, you know, the BBC 10 o'clock news or whatever it is, and you can see them being seduced into the narrative continually. I mean, they, they swapped COVID for Ukraine just like that, just like that, because the media told them to do it. So I, so I do see that, I mean, in the same way as, as you could talk about the word like a form, WF being cancer, I see the media, the mainstream media, as being a very, very dangerous Extension of the government, Craig, because here we, we, we are not the government. We are just free free thinkers. That's all we are. And and, and yet, you know, uh, but the media that portrays themselves as the fourth state, they're just an extension of authority, which ultimately goes up into organizations like the WEF. So I so to me, the BBC and the Daily Mail, they're they're they may as well call themselves the WEF media. And the Guardian, I find. Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah. and I just I just think, like, I imagine them as just, you, you're right, there's a lot of people within our public, a lot of members of our public, which share our values, but unfortunately are really susceptible um, to narratives coming from the mainstream media. Um, yeah. And they're the people that will go out with banners saying, um, perhaps, refugees welcome. And you might say, yeah, I understand why you're saying that, because perhaps you're thinking, well, humans are running away from conflicts or, you know, that they, they, they need help. They need to get. But when we start delving down into that and we find, oh, well, why are they all men? If that is true, why are they all men? Um, why are they coming through countries that could house them to Britain? Um, why are they coming from one specific place which is not at war? Um, there are questions that need to be answered, but you can't answer them because you're immediately shouted down with labels um, because you can't have that debate. Yeah. So. 
I, I see the media as being sort of necromancers, uh, these sort of wizards that raise the dead. And so basically you've, you've got them yeah. sort of raising an army of people from within our public who will then march against us. Anybody who's using a brain is, is a potential target. Um, and, and they just, and they, and so we're being attacked by our own public and it's the media that's doing it. And I don't understand why we can't oppose the media. Final question for you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> how do this? This is the best one of all. How do we then? What is our best way to defeat the WEF? How do we do that? I I wrote a, a Substack um, about decentralization because I think that um, they're trying to create a one world, even on a basic level. If you think, oh well, they're trying to create a one world government, and to do that, to get a one world government, you need a one world public. So if you're importing people from other cultures, uh, it's going to dilute your culture because there's going to be conflict, and you're going to start removing historical figures yeah. and changing yeah. language and everything else. So it seems that we need to do the opposite. If they're trying to get a one-world government with a one-world public, we need to decentralise. We need to go back to having small communities. That's, I imagine, how it was in the old days. We'd have a town yeah. hall. We'd all go yeah. down there. We'd be using our physical voices. We'd see the people we share a community with. Uh, we'd all share the same values and the same problems in society. Um, so it, these decisions would be made on a local level, not a national level, and mm -hmm. not certainly mm -hmm. using celebrities to create pop cultures to then coerce us into thinking a certain way. So to, to, to answer your question, really short, we need to decentralize, I think. I think we need to go back to having small communities, and that power is within the small community. It's not at government level. It's, it's at a local community level. That's what I would say. Okay, well, that's really interesting. I, I would broadly speaking agree with that. Just want to remind everybody, you can read uh, all of Craig's uh, posts here over on his Substack, Rant Till We Can't, and hopefully we can for a while longer anyway, Craig. So you can find <laughs> Craig, uh, his Substack there. Uh, you can also get him on Twitter. Uh, again, we put the links into that there. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think that uh, it is really good to have free thinking in this. What our most powerful tool that I think we have is Something you said earlier there, Craig, uh, critical thinking. We are, by just definition, we're all critical thinkers. That's that's why so many of us have resisted, you know, the unbelievable propaganda pushed against us. And I think the more we can encourage people to, to think critically for themselves, work it out. Don't listen to me. Don't believe the thing I say. Work it out for yourself. You know, it's down to you to decide. Uh, but all we can do is try and give directions. And that's what we've been doing. Can I say one final thing, David? I, uh, I, I would like to just give uh, a little plug for the, the Heritage Party um, and David Curtin, because I think that's our that's a potential well, way out of this. <laughs> you should you should have a word. I know David. You should have a word with David and tell him to get in contact and we'll bring David on, because uh, I know one of the things is that uh, David's a good guy. As, uh, we yeah. have, he's been on with me a while back. Uh, but I think he was back, back in the days before Twitter banned me, and then now I'm on band. He seems to be very welcome back. We do need to have um, uh, this diversification because of, of political parties. Although I'm a bit doomy about political parties, I'm a bit. Uh, 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 I'm not sure I've got a lot of hopium, but uh, because not because there's nothing anything wrong with the Heritage Party or some of the other smaller parties. Uh, don't have any time, by the way, for what do you call them? Uh, the reform, you know the 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 Richard Tice fake Judas Gold party. No time for them. But I do know, and I, I see the comments here coming up about uh, David Curtin. He's a really good guy, so I'd love to have him on, uh, uh, Craig. So go back to him and tell him, drop me, <laughs> drop me a message. I think we he follows me on Twitter, so uh, uh, we, we I'm sure we I can will. bring him. 
But listen, yeah. you've been incredibly help, um, interesting this evening. Really good comments coming in across all the streams here. So um, big, big thank you to you, Craig, for thank taking part you. your evening. I appreciate it so much. Everybody, just to finish off, we will be back with our live podcast tomorrow night. So you can tune into that. Uh, it's going to be going out on Getter and Twitter as well as on Podbean. And then, as I say, Edward Dowd joins me in the studio on, on Friday night, which brings an end to this week's uh, deliberations. But in the meantime, all that remains for me to say is thank each and every one of you for uh, taking the time to be with uh, Craig and myself and uh, I'll catch you all tomorrow, hopefully, all being well. Thanks very much, everybody. Good night.